Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for joining in and being part of the community. We are up to episode number 184, and I had a very interesting piece of feedback the other day. Somebody said they love the show, but because we've done so many episodes, they don't feel they'll ever be able to listen to all of them. And they were bummed about that. And I thought that's a pretty nice compliment, you know, where he said if he started listening to a show that has 10 or 12 episodes, he can get totally caught up. But with over 180, he felt that that was too much of a a mountain to overcome. So he was asking which ones, if he was only going to go back and listen to a few, which ones he should listen to. And so that kind of made my day really happy. Uh, I appreciate the people who are inquiring about the Cool Things Project which for those of you who listen regularly know is the group coaching mastermind program that was started from an idea of a listener of this show asking why we didn't have a way to talk more about entrepreneurship and a lot of the themes that we cover. So we have a small but mighty group and we meet every week in a video hangout uh, via Zoom and uh, we don't record it. It is a private chat just between the people. We have a private Uh, Facebook page where people can go on and ask questions. And a lot of the themes of what we discuss have worked their way into some of the recent shows. So if you like what we've been talking about on the recent shows, maybe you want to join the Cool Things Project. And you can do that by going to TomSinger.com. If you go to the About button, there's a little drop-down menu and it says Group Coaching Program. And you'll find out everything you need to know about how to grow, how to join that growing community. So today is another one of these shows where I have invited back a past guest. And I like this for a couple of reasons, because it allows me to kind of throw out the format of what we often do on the show, asking certain questions. And we get to find out a little more about the guest and what they're doing and what drives them as an entrepreneur. And if you listen to the show regularly, people always like it when they get to hear a little bit more from some of those guests. So today we have Mike Domish, and he is the founder of the Date Safe Project. And he was on in May of last year, so about 13 months ago. And he, uh, Uh, was show number 69. So if you go backwards back to May of last year, you will find the original interview we have with Mike. But I'm excited because I was looking for some interesting guests and Mike is the type of guy who says yes quickly to help other people. And he saw I was looking for some people to do the show and he said, I would love to come back. And I always find the people who just have enthusiasm and say yes, lead to the best interviews. So Mike Domish, welcome back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thank you, Tom. And I'm uh, so excited to hear that you have the problem of listeners not knowing which one to listen to because the episodes are all so amazing and good. So congratulations. That's right. And I should have told them, just go back and listen to episode 69 with Mike Domish. And that's the one you need to hear. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me back. So Mike, tell everybody about who you are and what is the Date Safe Project. I am the founder uh, and now the president of the Date Safe Project. What we do is we help provide transformational programs and resources for transforming our culture to being one built on consent and respect. So what happens is universities, school systems, organizations, parents, and the U.S. military bring us in to help create a safer environment to reduce sexual violence by teaching healthy sexuality, uh, to reduce sexual violence by teaching bystander intervention 
The Stanford case recently is an example where two people did intervene and take action to make a huge difference. They bring us in to teach how to do that more frequently throughout life in all different situations. And lastly, to help support survivors coming forward. And that's what we do around the world. And we're blessed to be on a mission that we've been on now for over 20 years and working with all age groups, all socio-demographics, socio-economics, uh, everything from speaking live to providing curriculum, books, posters, videos. So you started off kind of as an entrepreneur. If I remember your story, you had a mobile DJ company and you started your own business kind of like while you were in college or, or right after college. So you've been one of these people who sort of always have had this little pang that you wanted to work for yourself. Is that right? That's true. I, I was doing the, I was a kid doing lawns and had a newspaper route and doing all that even in you know, high school uh, and throughout there, figuring out ways. I was t I once taught breakdancing lessons. I, w I remember driving, <laughs> biking seven miles to teach swimming. So, uh, yes, I always liked trying to come up with businesses that somehow could serve in a way that I loved things I could do and enjoy. Uh, back then, I loved breakdancing. I loved swimming. So I always loved that. And then when I, when I was in college, my sister was raped and everything changed. So I went from being, yes, wanting to be this entrepreneur uh, but at the time, I was studying theater. Uh, I loved performance. And suddenly, I realized, wait, I, I need to do something about this. And months after my sister's assault, I realized I could use my voice. And suddenly, my entrepreneur spirit came back. I went from that theatrical spirit to entrepreneurism and went into entrepreneurism, studied entrepreneurism in college because I wanted to speak out on this. I wanted to build a business around this mission. And that's where we are now 24 years later. So it must have been interesting for a, a young man in his 20s to take on this whole topic of, you know, sexuality and, and safe dating, if you will. So how was that when you started the business? I mean, obviously, you had a motivation because of, of you know, what you went through with your sister being raped. But how did you take that entrepreneurial spirit and that motivation for this topic? How did you take that and transform it into a business? Well, I looked at the, the classes I was in at the time and turned to the professors to help me produce the materials I wanted. So, for example, I was actually in a marketing class that was on creating documents and materials. So I went to my professor and said, I want my next project to be my brochure for my business. So I would use those opportunities to try to help learn and grow the mission at the same time. Because there were times I'd have to miss class because I was speaking at a local school, but I'm in business school going to a business professor saying this is for my own business. They get it, right? They understand, hey, that's the purpose of why you're here. Uh, and so learning from people and doing what they told you to do. When I came to NSA in 2002, what I did is I listened to what people told me to do and I just did it. It's why our organization grew so quickly was because I was happy to listen to mentors and do what they told me to do. So, you know, it's interesting you bring up that you went to the National Speakers Association and, and you listened and you actually did. People come to me all the time who, who have the dream of starting a business as a speaker because that's how I, you and I have met was through the National Speakers Association. And people come and my first piece of advice is get yourself – to the National Speakers Association annual conference, the winter conference, some of the workshops, and not just once, but several times. And oftentimes people go, well, I can't afford that, or I don't want to make that type of time commitment, or I don't want to go around other speakers. I just want to go where potential clients are. And I just cringe because it's so important to get yourself around people who have forged the path that you want to forge. I mean, obviously you agree, right? Yes. I mean, outside of my biological family, some of my closest 
friends and almost like family are people that I've met through the National Speakers Association and through speaking as a whole. Without a doubt, they're the people I turn to. Uh, when I go through difficult times in my business where I lose an employee or we have to let go of an employee, it's those people I'm talking to who ask the tough questions that make me look in the mirror and once again listen to them and say, where are the nuggets of gold here that I need to learn about myself or my organization to be better going forward, to each day be better as an organization and me as a person. So I spend a lot of time with with other speakers and authors and consultants and coaches, and most of us, myself included, are solopreneurs. I mean, a lot of people who I interview on this show are one-man shops. Now, you've been doing this business with the DateSafe Project for 20 years, and you're one of the few people who has consistently grown the business and then let it stabilize, then grown it a little more. And from what I understand right now, you are actually in a growth phase and you're looking for more people to join your team. Let's talk about how do you go from being sort of the solo guy to having a team around you? And then how do you expand that team? Well, when it first happened for me, I had an agent. And in the college world, you had to have an agent and the agents were exclusive. When you signed with an agent, they represented you in all college dealings. And so what happened was after about 10 months in with the agent, I started asking myself, what if I hired my own person to come aboard and give that percentage that the agent is getting to them to work full time solely for me? Because for those who are listening, an agent might be representing 10, 15 people. And even if I'm that agent's most booked person, they must give attention and time to those other people. That's not fair if they're not, obviously. And so what if I could have somebody 40 hours a week fully devoted to me? And it was about 10, 11 months in, and that's when I made the shift to do that. And that was my first big move. And I, and I looked around and said, who would I bring in? Well, my sister uh, happened to have a master's in marketing, and I thought, why not turn to Rita? And so that was the first big hire, was I hired my sister. And she at the time had her own business. And so our business grew along the years to the point where she slowly did less in her own business and did much more in our business. And so that was the first big hire. And then from there, it was, okay, where do I find the right virtual assistant? Uh, and so I was working with a lot of virtual people. But after a while, I started to go, hmm, I wish I had somebody I could just know that they were working solely for me. And then a couple of years ago, I started to hire that next employee, that next person. And that, that's been a learning process. <laughs> well, I want to back up a step because a lot of people do think that in the world of, of being a speaker or any type of consultant, that having some sort of an agency that books you, that would be like the the, the grand surprise, wonderful way to build your business. And you, you brought up an interesting point is that that agent has 10 or 20 people that they represent. And, and you said, you know, it wouldn't be fair if they only promoted you. But beyond fairness, the truth of the matter that I have found in dealing with speakers bureaus and agents, and I have not ever had an exclusive situation, but the thing is, is they don't care who they book. At the end of the day, they just want to get their paycheck. And if they have 10 people that they can choose from, you know, they'll lick their finger and see where the, the client wants to go. Whereas in you, your case, by hiring your sister to be your full-time marketing person, her whole job was to get Mike booked. And that actually, I think for you, from what I know about your business, was the tipping point where your business went from being sort of just this one guy who was reliant on the college market to being a person who has built a full organization that now helps companies and the military and, and many others. Is that right? Yes, and I, and I think that there are agents and bureaus out there who care ab about mission-based work, and so they're, they're out there. 
Uh, and I, the person I was working with very much supported my work at the time. So I want to definitely be clear and fair to that person. But it's different. I might, let's, for instance, let's say that I want to change something on the website and it's their website. Well, I don't have control over their website, right? They can say, no, I disagree with you. Well, it's my business. I want to, I know why I'm running my organization the way I'm running it. And sometimes I'm going to disagree with you and I need to know I can run my organization. And that gives you the freedom to do that when it's your team, it's your staff. If I disagree with an employee, they understand this is my organization that they're working with. And we are a team and I value them greatly. But in the end, I do get final say. Uh, and so people go, wow, there's, there's got to be some, some back and forth that happens, some struggles that happen, some egos that happen at times. That statement can sound like my ego could drive at times. Yes, because if you're going to lead and you're going to be cutting edge, you have to be willing to go against sometimes what everybody else thinks. If you're going to do the work that you love, you have to be willing to hear everyone and sometimes know that still, even though you just everybody's saying something different, you know there's a calling here for you that you need to listen to. Uh, you know what you're feeling is imbalanced or balanced and having the ability to do that. So your first hire was your sister Rita, who you know also was sort of the, the inspiration for your business in some aspects. What was it like? Oh, so I need to be clear. So Rita was – I have three sisters. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. So Rita was, is not the survivor. Okay. Uh, and so Rita, I have my youngest of sisters, Sherry, is the survivor. Rita is one who works in my business. And we also have uh, the oldest of my sisters is Vicky. Okay. So your sister comes on board and, yes. you know, she's working for you. What are the difficulties of working with a family member? Well, certainly, you know, you have a different story in your head about that employee way before they start and they have one of you. And that doesn't disappear, and you might not always know what the story is. So, uh, you know, example, let's say that uh, I was a child that always had big dreams and talked a good dream but didn't do it, right? And then you get into business and you do a lot of incredible things, but every now and then you don't come through on things you do. Well, if that's your, your person that you grew up with, they might remember that you did that all the time growing up, and that's annoying. If that's somebody who's not family, they might think, oh, well, that's only happened two out of the four times or two out of the eight times. But there's a different story there, right? Or it's your older sister. You don't want to disappoint your older sister, right? And so you, you might say yes to things that you don't really want to say yes to, but you don't want to disappoint your sister. And now I will tell you that Reed and I have had all these conversations. That's why I feel safe talking about this. Uh, and so... And, and good, you know, that we can have these discussions, we've been able to clear the air on this. It doesn't mean that there's never going to be frustration or difficulty, but that's all what comes in when you work with family. And here's the thing. We both love what we're doing. She loves our mission. I love our mission. And so you, you say, yes, every now and then there's going to be conflict, and that helps us grow. That helps us be better. But it's never gotten in the way for how much we love each other as brother and sister, ever. And, and so I think a clear thing when you work with family and friends is to say, at any time that you want to walk, you can walk. Because first and foremost comes our relationship as human beings. Uh, and we need to understand that for each other. And we said that early on, that at any time. Uh, and I think that's always important. Well, and that's actually really good advice. A friend of mine and I own a business together, and it's just a small little venture, and uh, it's something that we've had now for over a decade. And when we signed the papers of incorporation, before I signed them, he said, wait, wait, there's one thing you have to know that's not in here, and that is nothing hurts the friendship. 
He goes, if this business goes upside down and I lose money and this doesn't happen, he goes, it doesn't affect the fact that we've been friends for, at that time, 20 years. And he was very clear. And 10 years later, we've disagreed about stuff. The business hasn't grown as much as we want or whatever. And nothing has ever hurt the friendship because that was sort of the, the unwritten bylaw. Yes. And as you go along, you also have to both acknowledge we need to discuss when there's conflict. We need to discuss when there's a hidden confrontation. So it doesn't grow. It doesn't become any bigger and that we can discuss it and we can release that and figure out how to move forward productively. And if you, the, the interesting thing is that's more quickly to show up in a family relationship. But if you work with anybody long enough, all these things will be true. Because <laughs> once you've been with someone long enough, you have stories in your head, all of us do, about that person, about ourselves. Half the stories we're making up about that person are about how they view us. And it might not be true at all, <laughs> but we have these stories in our head about family and friends and how they view us. And so it's our own self-esteem shots that, we're, that, are, that are affecting how we respond to moments. You have to be able to address when you feel something's wrong and say something's wrong, what's wrong, so we can move forward. So Mike, you mentioned that before you started growing the business beyond having your sister that you used a bunch of different virtual assistants. Let's talk a little bit about virtual assistants and the positives and the negatives of going down that route because you've, I, I know you've used a lot of them. What, what have you found? Because we, we hear about this a lot, especially when you're a small, you know, be it a solopreneur or a small business. Oh, you need to get a VA. That'll solve all your problems. And yet that doesn't necessarily always seem to be the case. So let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, I've, I've had VAs that were great and, and what, what happened is as, the, as they would get better and better at what they did, I want to keep expanding them to other things. And that was the lesson that I learned. If somebody's great at something, it doesn't mean they're great at everything. And so if you're bringing a VA in to be fantastic at this one area that you want them to be great at, uh, and you're going to now keep expanding as they, get, as they do well at that to other and other things, you should have been looking for new VAs for those other things because you didn't hire them for that. So what happens is they get overwhelmed. It's not their point of strength. Uh, and you start to feel there's conflict between the two of you because you're thinking, well, you're, you've been so wonderful, but now you're not taking care of this and that and that. And it's that entrepreneurial of can't you do it all <laughs> uh, approach that entrepreneurs often have of everybody else, but they don't want to be treated the same way. And we can make that mistake as entrepreneurs and say, well, I, you're just so great. Why not just do that too? Well, we can't do everything. And so part of it is understanding we're asking too much of people. And that happens for most entrepreneurs throughout our career. We have to step back and keep saying, am I doing it again? Am I doing that again? Uh, and we could have done it very recently, and we learn it. And so a good example is I brought a consultant recently to be a strategic partner in the company. Uh, and I can turn to him at any moment, and it's fantastic. And we had a position that has had people come and go throughout it for different reasons. One person said, I've grown past, the position has grown past me. Okay, great. And we're still very good friends to this day. Um, another person's vision grew after a long time. We realized this just isn't the right fit. Nothing is personal. It's an amazing, wonderful person. Two people along that time path have just it, weird or unique or we just missed the boat on, on getting the right fit and it, what, or we expected too much of them. It did happen in that way. Uh, and we had to step back and go, ooh, what, what went wrong here? What are we learning from this experience? So, so a good example of that is right now I'm working with a virtual assistant that I am super excited about, super excited about, because we listened and learned to what got, what, what did we have lined up that was too much here? 
so that we can cut this apart and make it doable for everybody to succeed. So we hired one position, employee, and we hired VA for the other one. Hmm. So some people go, would hear me and think, oh, he must be all employees now. No, depends on what we need. We realize this one position is so chaotic that to bring an employee in during so much transition is probably going to be very, very difficult. Hmm. And that's what the last situation taught us. That position is good for VA. But this other position over here that's going to help us do programming, behind-the-scenes web design, Infusionsoft, all these highly technical work is great for an employee. And we found a, a wonderful team, a match for that. And we're so excited this person's on our team. Uh, and so it's, it's figuring out which is right for what you need. Well, you brought up another interesting thing in, in, in there, and that was that sometimes the entrepreneur looks at their assistant or their employee or their virtual assistant, and they think, well, why can't you do it all? I would do it all because sometimes even though we really can't, you know, when we start off, we're like, oh, I'll do all the accounting. I'll do all the marketing. I'll do all this. I'll go deliver. And we roll up our sleeves, and it's just sort of the nature of someone who wants to go out and forge their own path, and we forget that not everybody has that desire. Is that, is that what you were saying? Is that, you know, some people, they, they want to or do skill their set, task, right? Yeah. I mean, it could be either one. It could be desire, skill set, uh, and yeah. And to, so here's what recently, Lori, who's a mutual friend of ours, I won't say last name for confidentiality, but uh, both she and my, my business partner said the same thing to me. They said, well, in the last situation, um, what bothered you was the idea of this rotation that has occurred. And what, why that's occurred. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe this isn't set up yet to be an employee. And that helped me step back and go, ooh, good way to ask that question. Is this, is it, are we ready for that position to be that? And so I mind mapped. And I did an extensive mind map of every role and where it belonged. And what it allowed me to show was all the open roles. And I looked at it and said, all right, can one person really be that? <laughs> mm. Now that it's in a map like this, what if I hire this VA over here, where do they fill in the gap? Oh, then we hired this new employee. Well, we know they fill in all these parts of the mind map. Suddenly the mind map is complete because we looked at it the right way, but we weren't going to probably get this one section over here that the VA is going to be amazing at with an employee right away. That could be a down the road. And, and the VA we've talked to, uh, we said down the road, would you ever see yourself working solely with one person? as that is being a possibility for us. So we are trying to look ahead at that possibility down the road. So Mike, I've got some more questions for you, but before we do, I've got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Mike Domish. Hey, for an exclusive offer to the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things, and they'll tell you everything you need to know about having your own podcast. So Mike, you were talking a minute ago about sort of mapping out the duties of what an employee or what a potential hire or, or a VA what they would do and then looking at it objectively and saying, is, are all these skill sets one person? That's something I haven't really heard from a lot of people. They just tend to dump all the skill sets into a job description and hope for the best. So where did you come up with that idea of really mind mapping what it is and then deciding let's split, split all these up as we need to do? Where did you come up with that and how is that working for you? 
by failing it the first way you said <laughs> that everybody does it. That's exactly how I, I mean, you just got to be honest, right? And say, hey, it didn't work. Uh, and why? Well, because I, maybe I did put too much into that role. And so that's when I thought, I had mind mapped a couple of years ago, uh, a little bit here or there. And so I thought, why don't I go back to trying to mind map and see what this looks like? Because what I wanted to see was, I also have friends in the business who have, uh, I have a friend, Chad, who's got an Excel spreadsheet of everybody in his company and every role they have. Uh, and I, I started to do that. I thought, oh, my mind doesn't, my mind's not, that's not working for me, that mind setup. But a mind map allows me to move things around and put colors to people who are there and in that. And I just found that worked for me, that it allowed the freedom of going, no, I'm Social media, oh, I have that under this position, but if I want to move it down here, well, in Excel, I got to copy and paste, and it just didn't flow for me like it did to mind map. And so that's what happened. And, and I started that mind map actually before the last hire back in March. Uh, and then I remembered how much that helped me at the time, and it really helped me uh, when I learned from that uh, situation to really mind map even at a deeper level and to see where, is the, where are the open spots. What's, what's missing there? And I actually called that on the mind map. Everybody had a position. In the middle was a company named DateSafe. And then there was Rita, who just rocks at what she does. She's amazing. And then over here was Steve, the consultant partner, who's just incredible and awesome. Over here was all my vendors who work virtually. Jason, our videographer. Nolan, our accounting bookkeeping. All of them broken down. Holly, travel agent. Then over here was the new program and web development position. And then there was the open and off open was all the areas. And we said, okay, is that, that's when I said, is that all one person? And actually what I did before we hired the most recent team member, uh, you had all that open. You had double the openings. And that's how I divided them up. I said, which belong together here? Which makes sense? So when we hired, I was able to bring the new person in and give, show him the mind map. And he loved it because then we went through the whole mind map. He's like, let's talk about so-and-so. Let's talk about, he was asking. All right, and here's how we see you. And he's like, okay, well, it mentions Ask Mike video series. What is that? Because it was in the mind map. It gave him the ability to dive in. So it not only worked for me, it worked for the team. So you've clearly hired a lot of people and tried different things. You have to have had some hires where you just went, uh-oh. What happens when you make the wrong hire? Uh, you have to own it. You have to own it and you have to move on. And for, and for me, at times, that was difficult. I've learned that I need to just let that go. Um, I used to take it as, I used to think when you hire someone, uh, part of your job is to help that person improve as a human being. And I still believe that. But sometimes you can hire with the mindset of that's what I'm going to do as their boss. Accidentally, you can get in that mindset of, oh, this is a person who can really grow with us and I can help them grow as a person. Well, that sounds well-intentioned, but it's also egotistical to think I... I'm the person to, to, it's almost a fix mentality. And years ago, I would have that. And I went to a program called Landmark that helped me realize I had that in me, that, it, oh, I, I like to fix. But I, that's not what I should be doing with other people's lives. I should bring people aboard who I appreciate them for exactly who they are, exactly who they are. And that was a big part of the process of learning what works well for me. And so when I realized they're not the right fit, not trying to think, oh, how do I fix the person? Instead going, no, if it was the person, that's a different issue than are they getting the job done <laughs> and is everything working? And so if it's not, I need, we, need to, we need to let go of the person. 
or we need to talk to them and see are we misunderstanding something. And then they may end up leaving and that's okay because it wasn't a right fit if they want to leave. So that, that's part of the process, just owning this is, this is all part of the process. If, if we want to grow, we have to be willing to go across the path that's not traveled, which means, you know, that cliche, but it also means there's bumps and there's holes and there's things because this is not a smoothly paved road. And so if it takes me three years of finding the right team and 10 years from now, I'm going to look back at those three years and go, well, they were worth every moment, every moment, because every person I learn from, every person. And that's really critically important to this process. So, Mike, you talk a lot about like people who help you with, you know, running the back end of your business. Have you ever hired anybody to go out and deliver your message that you deliver for the DateSafe project to audiences? Have you ever thought about putting together like a whole stable of speakers so that you because obviously you can only be on one military base or one college campus or one corporation at a time. Have you ever thought about hiring people to go out and do that? Yeah, so we have what we did is we would contact the clients and say, uh, if we were to grow this way, uh, you know, what would you feel about that? Could you see yourself uh, recommending? Because it would still be the same content, be somebody coming in with that presentation. And they said, yeah, but, but why we hire you for these training programs is because when you are live in front of a room and things go wrong, you have the expertise and experience to handle that moment smoothly. In fact, you integrate it so well that the room learns even more from that process. A scripted trainee that you send out, even if they're a subject matter expert, won't have that 20 years. Won't have that, and that's what we want. We want a skill set that is beyond script and even beyond content knowledge. We want the content knowledge, and we want the highly trained presenter, trainer, and the person who has the ability to handle the unknown. And do it the way we know you do it. And so that made us pause and go, okay, you cannot train that quite easily. You can't just bring in people and script and say run. Because of the sensitivity of our topic, we have to be extremely careful that we don't ever put somebody on that stage that says something one word wrong that does harm to survivors in the audience. One word wrong that creates victim blaming. It's just too sensitive an area that we care too deeply about. And we've heard stories from clients who say, yeah, we had a group in or we had this person in and that's exactly what happened and that's why we love working with you. We trust. And that trust would be hard for us to move to a person that you brought in. If I was doing a topic that was considered uh, less risky of doing harm, for instance, most people don't think of leadership, motivation, how to do sales as high risk of doing harm. Mm -hmm. And so I'll have friends who go, oh, I, we have a stable of trainers we send out. You should do the same. There's one massive difference. When I ask them, what are your priorities when you walk into a room, almost never them say to never do harm because they don't even think about it. And right. one of our priorities is to not do harm. And that changes how you can grow your business because now you're not just focused about getting your message out. You're focused about doing it without doing harm. Well, and, and the other thing, and I, and I totally see the difference from your topic to my topic or, or, or many of our peers' topics, but the other thing I've seen is when looking at people who have brought in other people, because I've had several people approach me and they say, Tom, your conference catalyst program is unique and it's, it's excellent in what you do to kick off a conference. You should have either, – either they're suggesting themselves or they're suggesting I should have three or four people who you know, serve as the MC and the conference host and everything else. But when I really go out and look at people who have been able to do 
this where they've taken their content and licensed it out to other people the or or had those people working for them for the most part there are outlier exceptions but the problem is if you get someone who's great why do they want to work for somebody else if they're that great of a presenter and they can captivate an audience and do you know what I try to do with my programs why would they want to share revenue with me and so at the end of the day the people who find someone great, that person then go, they train them to go out and become their own competitor. And so, you know, that's one of the problems too, is that you're always dealing with people who maybe don't have everything it takes to create that whole business from both the stagecraft side and the behind the scenes side. And if they do have that, you know, they're not going to be happy there forever. If they have that entrepreneurial piece that I think it takes to be able to really connect with an audience and to, to really make it what you do or what I do in, in getting that connection piece with an audience, those people will want to go out and do it for themselves. So I've, I've not seen a lot of people in our industry uh, really do it with high levels of success, having people work for them. So I was just curious what your motivation was for not having gone down that path. Well, and there's, there's one more. You have to love managing people. Yeah. And I can only spread my, my talents so far, and I know where my, gift, my most gifted talents are. And my most gifted talents is not managing people. Coaching, I love to do. Like, I used to be a coach, and I loved coaching. That is very different than managing employees, <laughs> than managing speakers, <laughs> particularly uh, a different animal. And so I know that if I were ever to go that route, and I'm not saying we never would, so if we are ever to go there, somebody else is going to manage that side of my business because I'm not going to put, my, put myself in a place where I, we, I can't help all those people succeed at the greatest, help our organization succeed at the greatest. You have to know what your unique ability is. I know mine. I've, I've studied it. I know what it is. And it doesn't fall under, for me, that category. So, Mike, before we go, what last little nugget of information? I mean, we spent this whole time talking about you know, hiring and expanding your team. And I think this is such an important topic for the listeners of this show. If somebody is looking to either take on their first hire or expand their little company, what other piece of advice do you have for them? What, what parting nugget do you want to share? Treat the hire as if you were Coca-Cola hiring the VP of sales and marketing. Hmm. You should have just as detailed of a job description you should be investing in advertising the job on all the major job sites. I mean, if you want a high-quality candidate, invest in a high-quality candidate. I know people that say, well, how do you find people? And I, when, as soon as I say I spend $1,000 to $1,500 advertising the position, oh, well, I would never do that. <laughs> Wait a second. You're trying to hire somebody who's going to grow your, double your business, but you won't spend $1,000. Well, I just want to jump in. That's like what I was saying before. People ask, you know, how did you grow your speaking business? I got really involved in the National Speakers Association. Oh, that doesn't interest me. Well, you just asked me how I did it. You know, it's right. the same thing. How do you hire great people, Mike? Well, I invest. Oh, I don't want to invest. Well, well, well okay. I use fairy dust that I purchased from, you know, right. the gnome down at the corner. Yeah, are you, are you listing your job lines on LinkedIn, on Monster? Are you using assessments like Colby, other great programs that do a great job of showing you the profile of a person? And by the way, it doesn't mean they're going to hit right. You're going to have some misses still. But are you putting the investment and the time to really find the right fit? I think that's great advice. Well, Mike Domish, thank you so much for coming back to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thanks for having me on, Tom, and I'm so excited. To, uh, I know that the, uh, the podcast awards are up and you were nominated, and this is just awesome to see the success you're having with this show 
and this business of yours. So congratulations. Ah, thanks. It's been a lot of fun. And in fact, somebody asked me the other day when I was interviewed on their show, what was the cool, it was uh, Michael Port asked me, he goes, your show is called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing you do? And my answer was this podcast, because not only do I get the chance to interview really smart people, which helps me learn, and I get to share that information with everybody who, who downloads and listens. However, on top of that, the reason it's so cool is that it's become something that I get to interview my clients. I've actually had listeners of the show recommend me to either speak or be the master of ceremony for their company or their association's event. So this podcast has gotten weaved into sort of all parts of my life, which is kind of fun. That's awesome. So thank you again for being on the show. And hey, thank you everybody for listening in. Uh, send a, send me a note on email, tom at tomsinger.com. Follow us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. Jump over to the Facebook page and see what's going on there. And like I said at the beginning, if you're interested in finding out more about the Cool Things Project, the, the group mastermind online community, go ahead and ask me directly. Sometimes people will just pick up the phone and call me or email me because they have questions about it. You know what? Don't be shy. If you're going to make the leap, let me know what questions you have. We'll answer the questions. It's not the right fit for everybody, but we have a small but mighty group, and it's been uh, really useful for everybody there. Hey, I'm going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Mike. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.